Hi, everybody. I'm Joshua Danziger. And I'm Ethan Canfield. Today is Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. And this is The Young Perspective, where we talk about America's biggest political and social dilemmas from the eyes of two high schoolers. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Young Perspective. Almost two years ago, we were in the midst of the 2020 election campaign when the presidents, when candidates for president, for House, for Senate seats were campaigning for their positions. Now, two years later, we are approaching the 2022 midterm elections, November 8th, the big voting day around the country. Ethan is mouthing to me, wow, because it's wow. And it's crazy um, because it is approached so quickly. This past week in the state of Texas, which is where Ethan and I also live, we had our state primary where we where Texas Democrats and Republicans voted for the people they want to see in the governor gubernatorial race on November 8th. So the Democrats were trying to choose one person to be their gubernatorial candidate and the Republicans were trying to be, choose another person to be their gubernatorial candidate. So the winner of the Republican race was the incumbent, Governor Greg Abbott, and he got 66.4% of the votes. And the winner of the Democratic race was Beto O'Rourke, and he got 91.3% of the vote. Now, Abbott, right, as the incumbent running for his third term, is obviously very well known. The Republicans like him a lot. Um, uh, And then there's Beto, who's really well known because he's been a congressman um, a few years ago. And then in 2018, a few years ago as well, he ran for Senate against Ted Cruz. Uh, lost by a very small margin, um, and so now he's running again. Oh, he also ran for presidential uh, for the Democrat for the Democratic presidential nominee uh, a few years ago as well. And so he's pretty well known in Texas, and is one of you know the biggest names in the Democratic Party in Texas. So Beto, he did really really well in the primary, um, much better than than Abbott did, even though Abbott Abbott sweeped. Um, Beto really sweeped. So Beto was estimated to get about 91% of the votes that, for the Democratic votes in Texas. Um, you know, the, the two other people that ran against him didn't get any traction at all. And I think that's telling to a couple of things. Number one, um, Beto, I think, is, is a charismatic guy. And because he has fought for elections on the national stage in the past, he was a presidential uh, candidate. And a lot of people saw him on the debate stages in 2020 uh, and on the campaign trail. He was a he ran against Cruz in 2018. Democrats in Texas know Beto O'Rourke. So he was the the clear guy they were going to choose. He's a fan favorite for the Democrats. The second thing is that Democrats in Texas are somewhat united. Republicans, they've held this, the, the gubernatorial seat for a relatively long time. I think it's been like 30 years, which is a long time. The Democrats want to upend them. So to do this, there's, they're, they're going to elect one guy to be their, their primary candidate, and they're giving everything to that one guy. There's very little division within the tem- Texas Democratic Party because they have one common united goal to, to get a Democratic governor and to flip the state blue. But even though... The oh, Beto won the vast majority of the Democratic votes. Actually, there were almost 900,000 more Republicans who voted uh, in the government primaries than Democrats. And this might be because um, 
the Abbott strikes was much more important. So he needed a lot more people to show up because he was running against people that could possibly take away from him, right? He only got 66.4% of the vote, which was good for him considering that people thought he might he might not get the majority and have to go to a runoff. Um, but even so, he needed a lot of people to come while Beto was, you know, practically a shoe in. So maybe at the um, at the actual midterm elections in November, uh, he'll have more people come out. But um, it could still be a problem for him if he doesn't get enough Democrats to come out and vote for him. Um, Abbott's race was very important. Um, he had a lot of angry Republicans after the power grid went out a few years ago. We actually, uh, last year, uh, we released an episode about that almost around this time last year, maybe about a month ago um, last year. And um, people were mad at him about this. They'd, he didn't get the energy he needed. And a lot of people were cold uh, and didn't have energy for you know many days. And people were mad. But he was able to get back um, these people with a few things. First of all, he had $60 million. So he was able to campaign a lot and spread his uh, campaign everywhere. Um, so that was one thing. And two, over the last year and over his term, he's made a lot of restrictions um, on things that conservative uh, his conservative voters uh, agree with him on. These are things like abortion. He helped uh, facilitate the heartbeat bill, which uh, de- which uh, basically made abortion illegal after after a heartbeat is found. So for around six weeks, um, he also uh, eased back gun laws and made limits on um, how Texas schools taught history, the history of racism in, um, in America. And really very recently, actually, a few days ago, he had a directive to, uh, which basically said to health agencies to refer to transgender transgender treatments um, of teenagers and kids. Uh, as child abuse, actually, by the parents. And so these things are things that his conservative voters liked. And uh, and so because he did all these things and kind of pushed the Republican agenda, his voters uh, appreciated that. And now they're going to vote for him rather than the other uh, Republicans. So some other things he did and some other big ones uh, specifically revolved around the COVID pandemic. Unlike a lot of other governors around the country, let's say get Governor Newsom in California, Governor or former Governor Cuomo in New York, um, or, or the governor of Michigan, Greg Abbott did not take a strong stance for getting vaccinated or for wearing masks. He aligned generally with the Republican opinion, which was very lax on masks, no, ma- very few max, mask mandates. At one point in time, he even made it harder for, uh, for counties, districts, cities to ins- instill mask mandates. He made it harder for school schools, public schools to, to require masks of their students. So for the Republicans who didn't support, you know, masks, who didn't support the vaccine, who, who, you know, some of whom believed the conspiracy theories and didn't believe COVID was a big deal at all. They were really, they really liked that. So in terms of Beto's race, um, he now actually has, he's become, he has now actually become a big household name in Texas. His 2018, 2018 uh, race against Cruz gave a lot of Democrats hope for him possibly winning another race or other Democrats winning a race, considering that he uh, only lost by a very small margin. Uh, his Democratic run for the for, uh, in the primary for president gave him a lot of uh, credibility and you know increased his popularity. And so now he's practically the biggest Democrat in Texas. Compared to 2018, when he was running for the primary for Senate, he actually lost 76 of the, co- of the counties in the Democratic primary- primaries. But now he won almost 254. So that's a big jump. Um, so now, you know, the Democrats are less divided. They believe, OK, this is our guy and this is who we're, we're going to put forth to try and beat Abbott. Um, and because of that uh, uh, unitedness, now we see a person who all the Democrats are hopefully going to come out and vote for him. That's what he hopes. 
the, the United Front against Abbott from the Democrats is representative of a larger trend in Texas for the Democrats. So the Democrats, Democratic base in Texas has been growing as a large amount of Californians have moved into Austin. Um, the Democratic population in Texas is growing um, and the Republican population is, is kind of staying stagnant. So the, the, the proportion of Democrats to Republicans is becoming more similar. And some people even predict that in the next 10 to 15 years, uh, Texas could flip Democratic. Now, what does this mean? This means that the Democratic centers, Austin, Houston, parts of Dallas, those are going to be the places that flip Texas Democratic. It's not going to be San Antonio. It's not going to be El Paso, or it could be El Paso. El Paso is actually pretty Democratic. It's not going to be the country's you know, cities. Like it's not going to be Corpus Christi or Waco or College Station. Those are Republican strongholds. It's the cities that O'Rourke needs and the Democratic Party needs in Texas to eventually flip it. And as those Democratic cities grow, like Austin, in both power, influence and population, they have a higher likelihood of winning this upcoming election. And this is similar to like the general feeling about the midterms um, in America on a national scale. You have lots of cities that you know, tend to lean more Democratic that are trying to keep in their Democratic congressmen and senators. But you have, you know, more rural areas trying to push forth um, uh, a Republican Congress and a Republican Senate. Um, it's going to be very hard for the Democrats to keep the con to keep Congress or the Senate. The Senate is very close to switching um, Republican. Uh, they only need, you know, one more seat uh, and in Congress. They only need a few a uh, few more seats. So it's going to be hard for the Democrats to keep that. The Republicans are on a, a pretty strong wave right now, and they're hoping to ride that out until the end of the pro uh, the end of the midterms. So for the Senate, there are 34 Senate races uh, on the national scale, and nine of those races are going to be, you know, severely contested. So, you know, the majority of those um, are either going to go Democratic or Republican. They're pretty sure about it. But nine of those races could flip. And those flips are obviously going to be very, very critical to the future of what the Biden administration can do. If Biden loses either the House or the Senate, it makes it very hard for him to achieve anything substantial in the second half of his term. That's why it's crucial that the Biden administration holds on to especially those seats in the Senate, which are really, really close to, 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 you know, to flipping Republican. So how's it going for the Biden administration? Well, the polls aren't looking good. Right now, the Republican candidates lead Democratic candidates 54% to 41% on the national scale. So it's looking kind of bad for, for the Democrats. It's looking like they're going to lose seats in both the House and the Senate, make, meaning Biden can't do almost anything. So historically, actually, it's pretty hard for a party that has a president to and uh, and the control of both the House and the Senate to keep control of both the House and the Senate. You know, they usually lose one part of of the legislative branch. And so this has only actually been done. Uh, this has only actually been kept once in the last 50 years. It was done by President Carter. Uh, he, you know, through both terms, he had both the House and the Senate um, under, you know, his party's majority. Uh, so it would be pretty hard for Biden to do this because historically it hasn't happened and because the numbers are showing that it looks like it's going to flip. So why why does this happen? Well, during the campaign trail, the candidates make these big promises. Biden made these promises of, you know, doing this, these great things about for health care and, and insurance and child care um, and immigration. He made all these ginormous promises. And even though he, you know, he may have kept some of the promises, when a lot of the promises aren't kept, 
the people get angry. Secondly, the U.S. has been struggling a little bit in the past year or so. It's been a more challenging recovery from the pandemic than expected. Right now, oil prices are rising. They're you know very high in a lot of places. Um, the there is currently a conflict in Ukraine, uh, which doesn't look good for Biden either. There is high inflation, which looks really good, bad on Biden's economic policy. So the people are seeing a lot of bad in the United States. They're going to pin that on Biden, making it harder for his party to win the midterms. This is going to bring a close to this week's episode of The Young Perspective. We want to thank you all for listening and remember to keep listening every single week. If you want to see more of us, you can check out our Instagram, the underscore young underscore perspective, or you can check out our website, theyoungperspective.net. Thank you again for listening. And remember, This was The Young Perspective.